And now, O Lord, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of all of our hearts be found acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. If through the words of this human being we do not hear your voice, O God, we ask you to speak to each of us then, here in the quietness of our hearts. Amen. Back in 1967, Around the month of November, a band, that, uh, the very well-known band, some of us may call them one of the greatest rock and roll bands of all time, released a song. The members of the band were named John, Paul, George, and Ringo. And the name of the song was Hello, Goodbye. I'll be honest with y'all. I love this song, but I only know these words to them. You say goodbye, I say hello. Hello, hello. I don't know why you say goodbye. I say hello. Hello, hello. You say goodbye. I say hello. I'm sure there are other words to it, but that's all that I can remember. And if you've ever heard this song before, you know that you can't help but smile. And even those with no sense of rhythm find themselves tapping their foot before the song is over. And I can't help but think, though, even though this song was written in 1967, if about 2,000 years earlier... The tune and the words were already playing through the minds of a small group of people who were watching their Lord and their Savior, who had died, who had risen, who had taught them the past 40 days, ascend back to his Father's right hand. Because you see, this is the thing, friends, as we celebrate the ascension of Jesus today, we do remember that this is a time where he was saying goodbye where he was telling his earthly ministry, he was telling those that he had walked with on the earth goodbye. But in order for the Holy Spirit to come, in order for us to say hello to the Holy Spirit, for those early worshipers to say hello to the Holy Spirit, and to welcome that power, Jesus first had to say goodbye. And in his goodbye was a hello, and in every hello there is a goodbye as well. We hear it today even in the scripture that was read. Some of his last words to the disciples, he said in verse 47, You must go into all the nations and preach repentance and forgiveness of sins so that they will turn to me. Start right here in Jerusalem. See, even in Jesus' last sermon, one of his last few words, some of his last words to his disciples before he ascended into heaven, he's telling them, say goodbye to your life of sin. Teach the people. Tell the people. Tell everybody you meet to say goodbye to sin so that they can say hello to eternal life. And Jesus is reminding us here that in every goodbye, we also see a hello. We are in the middle today of a transition of seasons in the church calendar. This is the last Sunday of Easter, but it's also a day that we remember as Ascension Sunday. And next Sunday, we will talk about the coming of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost Day. As Jesus said goodbye, the Holy Spirit says hello. And all the while, we should be looking up with Jesus and with those earliest disciples to see what might be coming next. Did you know that when John Wesley and Charles Wesley were active and living in England and the movement of the people called Methodists was really going, that Ascension Day was very, very important to them. John was taking time as the movement of Methodists was growing to take the Church of England's book of prayer and to adapt it to what God was developing in this new movement, which would become a denomination. 
And when he was looking at the holy days of the year, and most of those holy days of the church fell on Sunday, but there were some that fell on other days of the week as well, John Wesley made a very important decision, and it's something that often as United Methodists we don't know. He, chose, he, he, he saw that there were three holy days that did not necessarily fall on Sunday that the church needed to hold on to. The first one was Christmas Day. Aren't we glad that John Wesley decided to keep Christmas Day in the Methodist book and what would become the Methodist book of worship? The second one was Good Friday. Of course, Good Friday never falls on a Sunday, but it's important for us to recognize that as a holy day. The third day that he said that he said was so important that we needed to keep it as a holy day in the church was the day of ascension, which never falls on a Sunday. It falls on a Thursday. But because we don't celebrate, we don't have a service like on Christmas and Good Friday, it's important for us as the church to have this opportunity on a Sunday to remember why the ascension matters. And I hold before you today, friends, here in the middle of pandemic, post-pandemic, spring giving way to summertime, school letting out for the summer, whatever that looks like, in the midst of whatever, also as we are, uh, we are talking about how and when to regather in person as in smaller groups as the church family, in all of these changing seasons, in all of these changes that we're going through, in all of the uncertainties and questions that we have, as well as the joys and celebrations, Jesus is calling us to keep looking up. In today's passage, the disciples watched him ascend into heaven. And looking up, is, this is not the first time that they thought about what it meant to look up. Their ancestors, our ancestors in the faith, the Israelites, after they had been delivered from Egypt and Moses was leading them, Moses would go up into a mountain to talk to the Lord and come back and give the commands that were on the mountain. The people were constantly looking up, actually physically looking up at that mountain to see, is he coming back yet? Is the, is the cloud still there? Is the Lord speaking to them? They were looking up in anticipation and waiting of what was next. And then we hear the psalmist and the famous Psalm 121 say, I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? This idea of lifting our eyes, of looking up, is an integral integral part of what it is to pray, of what we need to be doing when we pray. Even if we we don't have our eyes lifted up physically, to be looking up in our spirits to say, what is Jesus going to be doing next? Even though we may feel like we're saying goodbye to some things that are important, how is he inviting us to welcome new things that, to which we say hello? So when the disciples are looking up, when their gaze is turned upward and seeing him rise back to the heavens from which he, from, from which he came, we too must be looking up to say and to ask, Jesus, where do you want to take us next? I want to take a few minutes today to sit and simmer with this passage, with this story, and bring out just a few things that I want to encourage you, not just for today, but in the weeks ahead, to, let the, to bring the ascension into your life and to bring the power and the glory of the ascension in in just everyday ways. The first thing I want to bring out is, some, is the fact that we actually have two stories of the ascension told by the same person. This is Luke's gospel, but did you know that Luke also wrote the book of Acts? And the very first chapter of the book of Acts, Luke tells this story again. In case you haven't noticed, friends, if something is said twice in the Bible, 
it's a pretty good idea to pay attention to it. Pay attention to everything in the Bible, but when things are repeated, that's God's way of saying, yeah, try this again. See if there's something else that you can see. And it's inter- I think it's really important for us to see that Luke told this story twice because Luke was one organized guy. In fact, in Luke, in the first chapter of his gospel, he says that he set out to give an orderly and organized account of the life of Jesus Christ. And if you read the gospel of Luke from chapter 1 to chapter 24, where we are today, you see that Luke is organized. He would have made a great Methodist. In fact, he might have been the very first Methodist because we love organization. But Luke, and it's not an accident with that orderliness that Luke told the story twice, and I believe it is because there was so much there that he needed to tell it twice with different details and for different purposes. Because you see, Luke's gospel and the book of Acts were written to help the church build its foundation, to help organize what would become known as the way which would become the church of Jesus Christ, of which you and I are descendants today. And something else that's important about Luke especially in this season, that I want to bring forth is the fact that Luke was a physician. Luke was a doctor. Luke had studied science. And Luke was one that was in this circle circle of disciples that was gathered in the upper room that heard the stories and witnessed these things. And Luke brings the gifts of science, the gifts of physical health, the gifts of all the things that he went through in his training into the account that he gives to us. Luke reminds us that in, his, in the fact that he is a physician, that he is telling the story of the great physician, that no matter how much he knew and no matter how much he had, no matter all of the gifts that he had to help cure ailments of body, that he was also the subject of the one Savior, Jesus Christ, I think it is so important for us to remember the ways in which God's earliest, the, the earliest beginnings of God's church, that the, one of the very primary voices was that of a doctor, was that of someone who wanted to give us the diagnosis, who wanted to give us the treatment, and who wanted for us to stay healthy. The ascension is an, it is an important part of us staying healthy together. If we ignore the ascension and the fact that it's where Jesus ascended to the right hand of God and took that power, we are leaving out a very important part of the story. And Luke, when he, when he is telling this story, there are some details in Luke 24 that are a little different from Acts 1. I encourage you to read through both of those this week and spot the differences and the similarities and see what you might see that you hadn't seen before in the telling of the story. The second thing I want to bring out from today's passage is something that's very easy to overlook, and I think it's important for us as we continue to be together while we are apart, while we are not gathering in person for worship, and that is this. After Jesus, uh, leading up to verse 49 in today's passage, gives instructions and tells the people what they need to be focusing on and looking for the Holy Spirit, in verse 50 it says, Jesus led his disciples out to Bethany. He lifted his hands over them and blessed them in his love. Jesus led the disciples out to Bethany. Bethany is an important place in Scripture. You may remember Bethany was where Mary, Martha, and Lazarus lived, where that great miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead took place. But what I love about Bethany more than anything is that this is the place where Jesus went to rest. This is where Jesus went to be with his friends. 
Mary, Martha, Lazarus, and something else significant happened in Bethany as well. Right before he went, um, he went when, right before Jesus gave himself up for us, he went to Bethany to be with his friends, to share a meal with them, and a woman came in, let down her hair, poured ointment, a very costly ointment on his feet, and recognized him as the Son of God. Long before, or uh, months before Jesus ascended into heaven, this woman was saying in Bethany, we know who you are. We know how much power you have. You are the king. And that happened in the intimate setting of somebody's home. Friends, Jesus wants to meet us in our Bethany's. We are apart from the corporate worship experience. Great, Thankfully, through technology, we are finding new ways to be the corporate church together. But this is a season where I want to encourage you to invite Jesus to make his home in Bethany, in the Bethany of your home. This is where his power was displayed to small groups of people. And that's where he wants to display his power now as well. Because you see, he goes to Bethany... He blesses the disciples, and it is only later after that, at the very end of the passage, that we hear that they return to the temple praising and worshiping God. Worshiping God in our homes is every bit as important as worshiping God together in the community of faith. We can find many ways in which to do that, and I encourage you to use this time to envelop this time, these weeks, as we to continue to prepare to gather in person to find ways to make Bethany part of your home and for Jesus' ascension power to come into the places where you live. He desires to be worshipped not just on Sundays during a certain hour, but every day, all day long, for our eyes to be looking up towards him. And finally, I want to bring this out about the ascension of Jesus today. We hear at the end of the passage, after he had floated off of the ground into the sky, this is verse 51, ascending into heaven before their very eyes, all they could do was worship him. And as he was floating off, this is the beginning of verse 51, he, be, he was speaking over them words of love and blessing. And overwhelmed and ecstatic, the end of, of, number, of verse 52, they made their way back to Jerusalem and they went to the temple blessing and worshiping God. I encourage you, to make it a practice, to make blessing a practice of your lives. And what do we mean by blessing? Well, first of all, let's talk about blessing God. Blessing God is easy, friends. All you got to do is say, God, you are worthy. God, you are Savior. God, you are merciful. You just declare who God is. You declare what God is to you. Just by stopping and saying, God, you're, you're the one that helped me find my keys this morning when they were lost. God, you're, you're the protector of my family. God, you are the almighty one. You are the one worthy to be glorified. And once you get going, blessing. And all we're doing is saying, God, this is who you are. This is who you are. This is who you are in my home. This is who you are in my family. And after that, I encourage you to find ways to bless others as well with your words, speaking words of blessing over each other. As we'll see next week, these same disciples who watch Jesus ascend to the right hand of the Father are the ones who gather in an upper room, another small place, another small Bethany, an intimate place, and they are blessing God, they're worshiping God, but they're also blessing each other. It is easy for us to criticize each other, isn't it? It is easy for us to point out what we think is wrong about one another. But friends, I want to invite you 
So when we feel that inclination to stop and say, what is a word of blessing I can say over this person? What is a word of blessing I can say to a person? What is a word of, what, what is a word of encouragement I can speak to build somebody up rather than talking about them and bring them down? Blessing is something we can do anywhere, any place, any time, as long as the Spirit of the Lord is with us. And that Spirit is indeed present with us. I want to conclude today by sharing with you a brief story about a way that blessing has gone outside of the church and into the homes. Right before this pandemic uh, sent us into quarantine, there was a song released by Carrie Job and Elevation Worship called The Blessing. And the words were straight out of scripture, straight out of the book of Numbers, the Lord bless you and keep you. And the song was made for a stadium. It was made for a building full of people. And it was the first recording was in that space. The voices were lifted. It was powerful. It was mighty. And then the churches had to close their doors in the interest of safety, the physical building doors. And you would think a song like that Let's just put it on the shelf and pull it back out when we can all get back together again. But the opposite has happened. If you Google the Blessing Virtual Choir, you will find around the world people from their homes have recorded this song. And there have been groups of churches that have organized the singing and the recording of this song. And the Blessing, the Song of Blessing, that was first written, originally written to be sung in church, has gone into the homes, and one person after another has looked into a camera and said, he is for you, he is with you in the morning, in the evening, in your coming and your going. One person, thousands of people over the world have taken those words of blessing, and instead of putting them on a shelf until we can get back together in person, have found ways to bless each other. I encourage you this week, friends, to look up, to find those words to bless each other, to seek out God in your Bethany, and to remember that the great physician calls physicians and teachers, the great physician calls businessmen and women, the great physician calls fishermen and locksmiths, the great physician calls all of us to be his orderly, his passionate, his worshipful people. Let us be such a people that is united, though we are apart, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Blessed three in one, now and forever. Amen.